Good morning. morning. Happy Easter. What a day. It doesn't get any better than this. I tell, this is like the Super Bowl of church days. And a Super Bowl can't compare. Because we're worshiping God and we're thankful. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful. Thanks for being here today. I want to start this morning with Mark chapter 16. I want to start with verse 1. Pick up the story of the resurrection. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. According to LifeWay research, two-thirds of Americans believe that Jesus rose from the grave. They believe the biblical account of the resurrection. They believe that Jesus died and he physically rose from the dead. Now, I realize that there's plenty that will debate it. There's plenty that will, that will even do their best to, uh, to work against that. They'll debate that truth. And their argument often is based on what they call proof. There's, there's no proof of the resurrection because we're not able to bring a corpse here and to check to see if there's a pulse. We're not able to uh, be like a doctor on TV and take our stethoscope and put it on and check to see if there is a heartbeat. We cannot provide a corpse. First of all, because a corpse has never been found. So what is undeniable about the resurrection? If we can't bring a body here and physically prove it, what can possibly be undeniable? And today I'd like to look at several things that I believe, even if you are a skeptic, you must agree with because it's undeniable. The first thing is this. It's undeniable that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central truth to Christianity. You see, the existence of Jesus is not questioned. Scholars do not disagree that a man named Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. I'll take it a step further. There is also no historical disagreement with the fact that a man named Jesus was crucified by the Romans. It's historical. It's an undeniable reality that we look at. People like Tacitus, 
People like Josephus, Pliny the Younger, Lucian of Samosota. These are all non-Christian writers and historians who all confirm the existence of Jesus and his crucifixion. There's a, a, a historian, Dr. Paul Mayer, and he calls it this. He said, it's positive evidence from a hostile source. When you take someone that doesn't necessarily want to agree and they agree with something, it makes it fact. Here's what Mayer said. He said, if a source admits a fact that is decidedly not in its favor, the fact is genuine. These historians, they were not Christians, they were Jews. And Jews in general persecuted and hated the Christians. They were also Romans. The Romans had, they, they did not have a horse in the race. They weren't looking, they weren't looking to prove Christianity to be true. These historians, they, they did not believe some people today, we know, not only do they question the resurrection, even these historians, some of them denied the resurrection, but the resurrection undeniably is the central truth of Christianity. British theologian John Wales said this, belief in the resurrection is not an appendage to the Christian faith, it is the Christian faith. Jesus himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus said that not after he rose from the grave. He said it as he stood at the grave of his friend Lazarus moments before he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rose from the grave. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, the Bible teaches about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, starting in the second half of verse 3, it said that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And what's more, we see not only does the Bible teach it, but the Bible connects the resurrection with having a new life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul writes this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. That's what we saw here. It's a representation of the, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. These people were not baptized into Silver Creek Church. They weren't baptized into Kevin Taylor. They are baptized into Jesus Christ. Amen. It's undeniable. The resurrection, without it, there is no church. Without it, there is no Christianity. There is no faith. Secondly, it's undeniable when it comes to the resurrection that there will always be skeptics. Now, as I start to talk like this, some of you might get a little uneasy because you might find yourself a skeptic. Maybe, maybe no one even knows that you're a skeptic, but you're skeptical of the resurrection. Let me just put you at ease for a moment, because if you are skeptical of the resurrection, you are in excellent company. Did you know that? 
You're in excellent company. Let me talk about that for just a moment. You see, even Jesus' disciples were skeptical of the resurrection. Let me show it to you. On that morning when the women saw that the tomb was empty, when they saw the angel and he said, Jesus has risen, he's not here. When they went back and they told the disciples, the disciples' response was simply, you're crazy. You are nuts. Look at Luke chapter 24 and verse 11. You think I, you think I make this stuff up? I realize that y'all have access to Bibles, okay? Luke chapter 24, verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. They were nuts. The disciples needed to see for themselves because it was just too good to be true. And I want you to imagine and not even imagine. It makes sense that this is unbelievable to the world. If the guys that Jesus spent three years pouring his life into doubted the resurrection, why wouldn't we believe that the world would have reason to doubt the resurrection? It makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. And of course, since the resurrection, there's been plenty of conspiracy theories. And who doesn't love a good conspiracy theory? I mean, I, obviously we do here in America. We, we love it. So I can't blame the skeptics. Because even Jesus' disciples doubted. So if you're here today and you would have to be honest with yourself that you're a skeptic, I don't want you to panic. You're in a great place today. You're in a great place. The women that were there that morning, they doubted. Mary, remember Mary was one of the ones that was there at the grave. She saw the gardener that morning and she said, please, sir, tell me where you have laid him so that I can go get him. She's talking about a corpse. Am I wrong? She's talking about a corpse. She does not believe that Jesus has resurrected from the dead. When she went, they went back and told the disciples, they didn't believe it. The guys on the road to Emmaus, they didn't believe it. And then there's this guy called Thomas. He's the most famous skeptic of all of them. So much so that we call him Doubting Thomas. Jesus appears to the group and Thomas didn't happen to be there. And afterwards, they, when they saw Thomas, they said, Thomas, he's alive. And Thomas said, I don't believe you. Thomas said, until I can touch his hands, until I can take my hand and feel that wound in his side that I saw him endure on the cross, I will not believe. John 20, 25, it says it right there. Unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is one of the 12. This is one of the 12. Jesus spent three years with this guy and, he, and Jesus said, I will rise from the dead. And he still doesn't believe. 
We shouldn't be shocked that there are skeptics. Shouldn't be surprised at all. A week later, see, Thomas needed what? What did he need? He needed proof. How many times have we heard that before? You know, if, if God would just, just give me some proof. A week later, Jesus appears to the disciples again, and Thomas is there, and Jesus directs his remarks to Thomas, and he said, Thomas, I want you to come here. I want you to, I want you to feel, feel my hands. I want you to stick your hand here in this wound in my side, and I want you to, I want you to get the proof that you need. There's an old saying that says a man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. Thomas required an experience in order to believe. And what is a skeptic? It's someone who hasn't had an experience. We see lots of skeptics. In fact, some of them are so skeptical that they do everything they can to disprove something. And as it relates to the resurrection, that's very true. There are some learned people, people like Albert Henry Ross, people like Josh McDowell, people like Malcolm Muggeridge, Lee Strobel, Richard Lumsden, Gary Parker. These are doctors. These are lawyers. These are scientists. All of them atheists. And all of them set out to do one thing, to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all of them became followers of Christ because of that. They could not disprove it. Skeptics need an experience. These people that tried to disprove it, they were top scientists, they were doctors, they were lawyers. Some of them lost their professions because they could not disprove it and so they converted to Christianity. They lost their jobs. They lost their positions in their field because of it. It's undeniable there will always be skeptics. And let me say this to every person in this room within the sound of my voice, any who might be watching on church online this morning, let me say this. Because this is really important and that is that the resurrection welcomes rigorous critique. Did you hear that? The resurrection welcomes rigorous critique. God is not afraid. He's not going to cave in because of your skepticism. He's not going to, he's not going to, oh man, oh, it's all for nothing. You know what? Go ahead. Question. Ask the big questions. But then when you get those answers the way these people did, be prepared. Because it may not turn out the way that you think it should. Number three. Another undeniable fact of the resurrection is that many have died for believing. In John chapter 11, verse 16, our famous Thomas earlier on, he said this. He said, let, let us also go that we may die with him. The disciples actually expected to give their lives. There was this understanding that 
hey, if we're going to follow this Jesus, it's so radical, it's going to cost us our lives. And I believe that they were willing. They were completely willing to give their lives. But we don't see the first martyr until the life of Stephen after the resurrection, after the ascension in Acts chapter 7. Stephen preached and and shared a message and he said that the Jews murdered the righteous one and they were so incensed, we read about it in Acts chapter 7 beginning at verse 59, that they picked up rocks, which there are rocks everywhere in Palestine, just turn around and there are rocks ready to throw. They picked up those rocks and while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Bible scholars believe that more than likely 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred. The Bible even tells us that many more will be killed. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, we read this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Dr. Todd Johnson from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary says this, that 70 million martyrs have occurred since Jesus' resurrection. 70 million Christians have been killed. Antonio Sochi, an Italian journalist, says that between 1900 and 2000, 45 million Christians have been killed. Let's bring it a little more current day. Let's go back to April 20th, 1999. Littleton, Colorado, Columbine High School, where 13 were killed that day by Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. There were two young ladies in that school, Rachel Scott and Val Schnur, that were asked this question by the gunman. Do you believe in God? And courageously, those girls answered, yes. Yes. As a matter of history, talking about the followers of Jesus, Dr. Peter Kreft said this, they were hated, scorned, persecuted, excommunicated, imprisoned, tortured, exiled, crucified, buried alive, roasted, beheaded, disemboweled, and fed to lions. It is an undeniable historical fact that millions of Christians have lost their lives due to their faith. And my question to you, especially if you're a skeptic, is this, Why would they be willing to do that? Why would they be willing to give their lives? And the answer is simply this. They believed in the resurrection. They believed that Jesus is alive. That leads us to number four. Another undeniable truth of the resurrection is this, that those who put their trust in it, they're changed. They are changed. In Acts chapter 9, a man named Saul, he was, he was expressing uh, threats of murdering Christians at this time. He's persecuting them. He's imprisoning them. He's killing them. And he has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And he changed from being a murderer to being a missionary. 
he stopped, uh, he stops, uh, he was trying to stop spreading, or he was stopping the gospel from spreading. Now he's spreading it himself. He went from imprisoning Christians to being one of the Christian prisoners. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, he says this, and I pray and, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I'm reminded of a friend of mine named Bob. Bob was in a motorcycle gang, the Milwaukee Outlaw Biker Gang in Milwaukee. And Bob attended a baptism service, much like you did this morning on a Sunday night, back when we had church every Sunday night. Bob was invited by his sister-in-law. She had to bribe him with a standing rib roast. He didn't want to be there. And at the end of the service, the pastor gave an invitation for salvation. And Bob was a hardened criminal, a heroin addict, found himself at the altar, accepted Christ as his personal savior. He went home that night. Bob didn't live in a dump. Bob had a lot of money because of being a dealer, a very upscale, secure apartment in downtown Milwaukee. He got up the next morning put on a pot of coffee and got the kitchen garbage can, sat at the kitchen table with that garbage can between his legs and waited for the withdrawal to begin. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. The withdrawal never came. That day, Bob took all of his weapons put him in a pillowcase. And that night, he drove to one of the bridges over the Milwaukee River, and he took them all and he threw them into the river. He went to the clubhouse the next day and met with the president of his chapter. It sounds terribly organized, and it is. And he said, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. And the president looked at him and said, you are dead to us. Bob was changed. He was never the same again. Why? Because he put his trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This room has a lot of people in it that their lives have been changed by the power of the resurrection. In fact, we're told by Pew Research that across the world, there are over two billion Christians today. Friends, that's an awful lot of people to believe in something that can't be proven 2,000 years after the fact. but their lives have been changed. It's not a pulse on a corpse or a stethoscope that's gonna give them the proof that they feel they need. 
It's the change that has happened in their own lives. Some of our baptism candidates could stand up here and they could preach this message every bit as well as I can because their lives have been changed by the power of God because they put their trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. It's undeniable. You cannot deny something that's happened to billions of people. It doesn't work that way. In the system of the world, it doesn't work that way. It's undeniable. Maybe you're here today and you say, Kevin, I've, I've been a skeptic, but what do I need to do? What do I need to do if I'm ready to say that I want to believe in the resurrection? Paul says very clearly in Romans 10, he said, if we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What we need is an experience with Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we close our service today. And we're going to pray in just a moment. But I'm going to invite you before we close to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I've been praying for this moment. And on Easter Sunday, I would be derelict in my duty to not ask you this question. Are you ready to put your trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never done that before. Today can be the day. So before we close in prayer, if that's you, say, Kevin, I want to put my trust in the resurrection. I want it to be undeniable. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just lift up your hand so that I can see it and know who I'm praying for. Just stick it up for me. Yes, 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 yes. Hands all over, yes. Hands all over the place. Yes. You can put them down. Father, I thank you that on Easter Sunday morning, 2,000 years after Jesus went to the cross and rose from the dead and ascended, that there are still people responding to the undeniable truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Friends, on behalf of all those that raised their hand, let's just pray this prayer together. Can we do that? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I declare that I put my trust in the resurrection of Jesus. I invite Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to take me to heaven. Father, I believe in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I thank you for these that have prayed that prayer today. 
God, I thank you that your word says that all heaven is rejoicing right now. Right now. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would see, that they would see the undeniable change that happens when we give our lives to Jesus, when we, when we embrace the resurrection. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time in your life, let me just invite you quickly. Two things. One is, in the seat pocket in front of you, you're going to see a, a red card that says decide. Fill that out. Put it in one of our connect boxes or slip it to me. Love to be able to get in touch with you. Second of all, I have a gift for you if you prayed that prayer. It's out uh, by, uh, it's on a table out by the offices where the gift baskets were. It says, Following Jesus. It's a free book. We'd love to put it in your hands. Stop by and get that. We love you. God bless you. Happy Easter. There's coffee, there's sugared up stuff. Have a great time. Fellowship. Happy Easter. God bless you.